welcome Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back for our weekly episode of Red Sox Deep Dives. In case you haven't heard, we are now part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. So we'll be kind of hanging out with all the other fan-sided podcasts throughout the league. So happy to be a part of them. This episode, we're going to be talking about Shohei Otani. Where, what does he mean for Major League Baseball? Is he the face what have you. Second half, we're going to get into the draft as far as the Red Sox are concerned, who they might be honing in on with the fourth overall pick. We'll be talking about some guys that we possibly won't have a shot at barring anything uh, unforeseen. So getting into it with me tonight again for this episode, Andrew Dwan, Joe Goddard. How are you guys? You know, doing good. Let's get after it. Let's uh, talk some Shohei since that's all anyone in baseball wants to talk to you right about right now. Well, the draft <laughs> for you is like Christmas. It is. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> we only got one. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I think Andrew's about to have like the best week of the summer right now. No, going, to see, going to see the All-Star game, the Futures game, and the Home Run Derby, and then he also gets the draft. It's like... Christmas come early for Andrew this week. It is so. baseball mecca. <laughs> so I'm excited to just hear his excitement, you know, through the uh, through the course of the show, but also to talk some Shohei. I have a lot of thoughts on him. I, I love opening day and then playoff baseball. That that's my favorite part of the year, really. I, I mean, I hate the weather aspect of October because I'm a summer guy, but. Um, I just, even if the Red Sox aren't in it, I just enjoy playoff baseball. Like that run Kansas City had. And then the year after that with the Indians and the Cubs, probably my favorite World Series outside of any Red Sox World Series. But, but I, I get it. You know, I, I try to pay a little bit of attention to the prospect talk as well. I admittedly, I, I don't get, uh, I don't pay a ton of attention until they reach double A, but. Um, but anyway, let's start off with Shohei Otani, kind of the story of the week, and will probably be the story of next week because he's going to pitch in the All-Star game, he's going to hit in the All-Star game, and he's also in the Home Run Derby. So big week for Shohei Otani. The Red Sox just finally got a glimpse of him as a pitcher. His turn in the rotation didn't come around the first time we played them, so finally got to square off against him and he pitched seven strong innings against us and looked pretty solid so is he taking over Andrew do you, is he like has he surpassed Fernando Tatis at this point would you say I think MLB absolutely wants him to uh, just because you instantly get a huge secondary market with him. Uh, with Japan, which you just, you can't, you know, you can't replicate that with any other player. You, if a guy, you know, is 
from the DR, you get a little bit of push, but not like this. We see it with like the NBA when Yao came over and all of a sudden, you know, you get the huge Chinese crowd that starts buying merch left and right. We saw when the Red Sox signed Daisuke, John Henry and co saw dollar signs floating everywhere. That's why they gave that obscene posting fee, which was like $53 million because they knew they were going to make it up in Jersey sales in like a month. So I think, it's in baseball's best interest to mark the heck out of him. Um, it, he's a cash cow, and they're going to milk it. They're going to milk it for all it's worth. They hate that he's in, you know, El- he's not even in Los Angeles. That he's in Anaheim. Let's get that straight. And he, he wanted to go there, didn't want the pressure of the West, uh, the East Coast. And it was a weird signing period. So it, I guarantee they want him to move once his contract's up and they want him in Yankee stadium pitching every five days and in the lineup 162 games. Cause I think this is their new cash cow that they're just going to take full advantage of. Yeah. I think major league baseball's ideal scenario is Shohei Otani in pinstripes in the house that Ruth built doing what Babe Ruth did. And then doing it in a place where Daisuke Matsuzaka um, didn't want to go, didn't have a lot of success. But, you know, who did have success there is, is Matsui, who's a, a more comparable player uh, as a home run hitting Japanese-born uh, player who also plays the outfield. To, to me, Otani is a unicorn in the sport. He's absolutely the biggest single draw at the moment for anybody who's looking to watch a a casual game. The issue is he's in a market where the team is not competitive. You have Mike Trout, who admittedly is hurt right now, Shohei Otani, and then Anthony Rendon, who's underperforming on that contract. They still have Albert Pujols' money. They're not going anywhere for the next three years. Uh, sadly, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get there, Andrew, as far as he's going to get to that next big contract in New York as a two-way player. I don't know. I, I think he, there's serious injury risk that comes with playing two ways, and I don't know that he's going to be durable enough to get to a second contract. Do I think he's a face of baseball? Absolutely. Uh, at, at this point, internationally, domestically, no. I think it's still Fernando Tatis Jr., the, the, the cool thing about Otani, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet at all. Offensively, sure, this is the best you're ever going to get for him. But he's not yet defined his secondary stuff as a pitcher. Um, he's really just throwing gas with a, a couple of secondary pitches that are okay, not great. Um, and that's leading to a good ERA. If he's just focused on pitching, he's probably throwing to a 2-4 right now. Uh, the way that he has that ability... And if he's just hitting, he might be hitting 38, 39 bombs at this point instead of 31 or 32 where he is now. So to me, it's complex. Where do you go from here? But this next week is the Shohei week. This is can we showcase how exciting our sport is? Can we put it on a pedestal and try to compete with the NBA and their stupid all-star process that instantly gets – millions of people to tune in for a dunk contest between nobodies. So I don't know if you guys feel this way, but they, 
I think that they should almost be careful with him. Obviously, they're not going to be, but I could see Otani having a not great second half. If he, you know, just pitched it yesterday and then he's going to go to the All-Star game, he's going to do a ton of media tours during it. He's going to go hit in the home run derby, which I'm telling you right now, it's like 100 degrees every single night out here. So he's going to take a lot out of him if he advances past the first round in that. Then he's going to go out, he's going to pitch, and he's probably going to stay in the lineup the entire game. I mean, we've seen it in the past where guys have won the home run derby and just their swing went away. We saw Bobby Abreu disappear. Um, Schwarber said it took a lot out of him. I don't know. I This could be... This could backfire miserably for the two days worth of uh, exp- three days worth of exposure for them. I for, think- are you talking about the league, though, Andrew? Real quick, are you talking about the league? This could backfire on the league, is what you're saying. Well, no, no, I'm saying backfire on Otani himself. There's no going to be backfire on the league. I mean, if he breaks down the second half, they're going to be like, whatever, don't even watch the Angels, they're out of it. So, um, I mean, because but- that's where I'm at, right? I mean, the Angels don't. They, they're concerned about his injury, sure, but they're not going anywhere and they know it. Uh, and they're not going to add. It's not like this is a, oh, we're one piece away. They have a massive overhaul coming in the offseason. So if Otani doesn't perform down the stretch, I, I think they just move him to hitting full-time and they go back to their rotation from last season. I'm pretty tired at this point of the Fernando Tatis hype train. I mean, he's obviously a generational talent. I can't deny that, but it's gotten to the point where he's a member of the Padres and they need to win. And if they don't win, then there's going to be a new flavor of the week. And right now that is Shohei Otani. And I don't know how long into the year it's going to go because the Angels aren't going to be relevant in the second half. They're probably not going to sniff the playoffs for the better part of this decade for as long as Artie Moreno is their owner. But it's going to be a fun week for Shohei in all of those events. If he doesn't screw up his swing in the home run derby, which players notoriously do, if he doesn't screw it up, then the home run race is going to be interesting going down the stretch. And I'm fine with that. But the the thing that frustrates me about Otani is the fact that he did pick the Angels. Now, I get it. He doesn't want to go on the East Coast. That probably makes the travel rough for, you know, when he goes home or, or trying to fly family in and out. It's probably rough on them. But there were some good West Coast teams he could have played for. He could have went to the Padres. He could have went to the Dodgers. Even the Giants might not have been a bad fit for him. No one foresaw that their pitching would be as good as it was this year, and they're right with the Red Sox as far as wins go. They're one or two behind us last I checked. And so there there are good teams out here that, that he could have played for on the West Coast, but Anaheim to me is baseball hell, and Mike Trout's learning that the hard way. I well, don't... now you're you're thinking in hindsight is 2020, right? I mean, when he signed his major league contract, if I'm not mistaken, that's 2018, correct? Yeah, 2018. I hated it debut. then. I thought it was dumb, a dumb choice at that point. I, I've hated the so, Angels for quite a while. 
I don't I don't disagree with you, but I can see how Shohei Otani at 23 years old sees Mike Trout and the Anaheim Angels as not being able to get over the hump. Signs there thinking, okay, me and the best player in the world in the same big market, you know, if we go to the playoffs, like, I'm going to be the next Ichiro, the next Daisuke, as far as, like, media hype. He's going to be bigger than both those guys if they win a title. And I will say, he did get um, released from his contract really late in the process. He shouldn't even even been posted that year or well, not even posted. He shouldn't even come over that year. Uh, that was after all the international free agency money was gone. And if he wasn't subject to like IFA, IFA rules, he would have gotten, you know, a $200 million contract probably uh, from a team. And there would have been insane bidding wars, but only like the Red Sox only had pennies left. The Yankees had pennies left. They had, gone full blowout mode. The Red Sox paid a lot of money to um Yon Moncada. Uh no, it was the year that they got the catcher, uh can't think of his name, Danny Hernandez that or passed away. Flores actually. Daniel Flores, yeah. Yeah. But he could have waited another year or two and then been in line for that massive contract. So that that's why it's never been a money thing to me. Yeah, I don't I think he wanted to come over. And I think he wanted to hit free agency quicker too, quite frankly. So I don't know. He probably just getting getting the years out of the way, close to home. I I think very differently as far as that goes. My my reasoning is, if you want to break records for the big leagues, as far as hits, home runs, anything, you can't come over at twenty six. Especially not as a pitcher, because as a pitcher, you're not going to be playing until forty two. You know, and you're not going to be as good as Ichiro was if you come over here at the same time as Ichiro, just based on your position, um, based on your career. He's already the biggest player on the continent in, in Japan. He's the biggest player in international baseball already. So to, to come over here and, and dominate at 23, I totally understand why he did it, but I can also understand why he chose LA. I mean, there's a, there's a big community of Japanese uh, in Los Angeles, it's not the Dodgers, but it is a team that has Mike Trout. It has some star power allure. And frankly, if they spent their money differently in, in the last couple of off seasons, and instead of going to get Anthony Rendon in free agency, they went and got, say, uh, I don't know who the pitchers were that were available at that time, but if they went and paid uh, a star pitcher, say a Garrett Cole, of that money, and we're looking at that team that has now Garrett Cole and Otani at the front end of the rotation instead of Canning at the front end of that rotation. They are looking at maybe some ALCS uh, pennant races, you know, down down the stretch of his career. Yeah, but that, that's Artie Moreno, though. I mean, we should have known when he signed Pujols and when he signed Josh Hamilton, this is a bad owner that needs to stay the hell away from the front office and let real baseball executives make the decisions. And so Otani screwed himself, I feel like. He picked a team where he's got no chance of winning and he didn't maximize his money situation. So it just doesn't make any sense to me in in any aspect of it. Well, you know, I mean, hindsight is, like I said, it's 2020. And so who knows kind of what he was thinking at the time as far as coming over. 
what I do think is is super important to realize as we we move forward with whether or not he's the face of baseball. Playing in a market like Los Angeles doesn't help with that. Major League Baseball does not want the Anaheim Angels to have the face of baseball. And that's why they put forth this Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. hype train that they have over the last couple of years. If you look at players across baseball, the face of baseball for them has to be in a big market where they lose exponentially. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has the benefit of playing on a team that's competing. Having Don Orsillo in the booth calling games, I think, can't actually be understated because a lot of people from other markets tune in knowing that Don Orsillo is a, is a great broadcaster. He makes the highlights very exciting, and that helps baseball because baseball more now than ever is a 30-second highlight reel clip sport. Not a lot of people are tuning in to watch nine-inning out-of-market games, but they'll tune in to watch the highlights on YouTube. And having an announcer that's really passionate matters. Uh, the Angels have nothing going for them. So I don't think Shohei Otani is the face of baseball. But if it was up to Major League Baseball, he would be. Going forward, he's, what, 26 right now? 25, 26, something like that? He's he got, just turned 26 years old. He's got a solid decade left and probably a little bit more than that. Uh, at least as a hitter. I think he's going to go to Cooperstown. He's going to the Hall of Fame just based on his offensive stats alone, I would say. I would say at this point he's going to the Hall of Fame either way, just for being who he is and his brand being what it is. Uh, I don't think there's a way to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, even if he were to retire in three years, just based on the fact that he's the first hitting pitcher to do it in – an athletic era because Babe Ruth is pitching and, and hitting in 1919 is not comparable to, to pitching and hitting now with, with all the science and how big, fast, fast strong person, you know, drink six beers in the dugout during games and play. It's, it's not comparable, but I think he's going to be the face of international baseball for probably the next 50 years. Oh, this guy's not as good as Shohei. That's 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 how it's gonna be. It's gonna be perceived. Every guy that comes over from Japan who's a pitcher gets compared to Daisuke at this point. And if they're a hitter, they get compared to Ichiro. Future guys, in my opinion, will be compared to are are they as good as Shohei? That that's how I look at it because he, frankly, is a freak athlete and I've, has some crazy talent. I've got Ichiro's numbers up. In front of me, he played 161 games in 2004, hit 372. That's as close to Williams as you get as far as his batting average. Absolutely. I'm I mean, saying. he was a, a dynamic athlete right from day one. He played the game away. No one else has played the game ever. No one had that mix of, of speed and athleticism that he did at the time with, with Seattle. And to think, right, I mean – I understand they had Ken Griffey Jr. in Seattle before before him, but Ichiro signed with the Yankees at the tail end of his career, and that was already a, a huge deal. If he had come up in New York, if he'd come up in Boston, Chicago, 
it'd be a whole different story as far as how big of a phenom he was. And Andrew's right. That secondary market does really matter. Uh, it really does matter to Major League Baseball, the way that China matters to the NBA. Uh, any more thoughts, uh, Andrew, before we move on? Well, the Hall of Fame, I'm not really going to write him in yet because we have seen him get hurt, and you do need to put in 10 full seasons. So that could uh, – that that will ha- that will be, you know, the placeholder he's gonna have to hit in order to even get the qualifications in. So I hope he stays healthy. I hope he doesn't hurt his arm again. But again, you know, he can always fall back on DHing full time or playing right field. Yeah, I just wonder how long he'll he'll even be a pitcher because I I don't think he'll still be doing it in seven or eight years. I I'd be no, surprised if, if I sign him uh, to a you know, $200 million deal. I'd probably only let him pitch for like the first two. I'd be like, all right, we're transitioning out of this. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's how I see it as well. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll uh, see how Shohei does next week in the Derby. We'll move on now to the draft, which is on Sunday night. So for all the prospect gurus, this is a, a big day. Admittedly, I'm not as as into it as much. I'm kind of more focused on the now uh, with the Red Sox roster. But let's start off by talking about one of the more mentioned names in this year's draft. That is Jack Leiter. Al Leiter's son, uh, one of the top pitching prospects that will be uh, in the draft. Andrew, do the Red Sox have any shot at him whatsoever? It's all going to come down to if, uh, like, Texas calls his bluff where he's saying he's not going to sign. He's trying to pre- – reports are that he's trying to price himself out right now to fall to a team like the Red Sox that have aspirations of competing, you know how to develop players, aren't going to ship a player out after four years. So if he does manage to scare Texas off, if he falls past two, I think then he's probably Boston's. I don't see Detroit taking him. Um, I Yeah, I think that is our best shot right now. I, I would say it's 50-50. Um, Nothing's really set in stone at the moment. Usually at this point, you could predict the first 10 picks. You have, hell, you have some guys signing already, but really, legitimately nobody knows at this point who Pittsburgh's going to take. They flew Jordan Lawler in last week, so they are discussing deals, who they can sign for the least, um, so they have the more money playing with uh, as they go forward. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think the dream's as dead as some people might think it is. It is all going to come down to that money figure because we know later he's not a kid that you know grew up in the poor backwoods. He his dad is a very wealthy man, um, so he there's no pressure for him to sign. He does even have you know he can go back to school next year. He is eligible. Obviously, he's not going to want to risk that wear and tear on his arm, but that threat is somewhat legitimate where he could say maybe I just even sit out a year. Wow. I, that's not even something I was uh, considering. Now, if he does fall to the Red Sox, is that Bloom automatically takes him? Like that's what you expect? 
I would, yeah. If he was there at four, I don't. I think they would probably walk that card up in like less than a second. I don't even think, think <laughs> twice about okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, anybody wanting Jack Lighter, uh, that that sounds good. Um, anyone else that's highly coveted that you think might go in the first three picks right before us? Uh, yeah. So Marcelo Meyer was a guy that was mocked to the Red Sox for months leading up to the past month. And now he's skyrocketed to probably the favorite at number one. Uh, he's a shortstop from California, same high school as, uh, Adrian Gonzalez, Red Sox fan favorite right there. Um, yeah, he, the kid has just keeps getting better, better. Great pure hitter is going to stick at shortstop. Really no character concerns at all. Really good athlete. So he'll probably go number one. One um, A with him is Jordan Lawler, another shortstop. There's, that is the reoccurring theme here this year. Um, it's like the best shortstop draft since I think it was like 1973 or something. Um, another uh, Lawler is a lankier one. Um, compared to a guy, he gets the pro comps of Xander, which we're all familiar with. Wouldn't mind seeing a young Xander in the in the system. And uh, Correa is his other comp. And then one more guy that I think Red Sox fans probably know is Henry Davis. Um, catcher out of Louisville, older catcher. I mean, he's going to sign. There's no threat of that. Uh, offense first with a absolute you know, cannon of an arm. And then um, I'll let Job take uh, um, the high school prep ready picture that is probably arguably the best pitcher in the draft. Yeah, so I just real quick note on, on Davis because I've been seeing him mocked more and more to the Red Sox in the last couple days. He hit 370, slugged 482, um, 15 homers, 9 doubles, and 184 at-bats this season in, at Louisville and had more walks than strikeouts by a significant margin. So this kid is somebody who projects to hit 260 with 25 home runs from the catcher's position uh, in the big leagues. Wouldn't hate that at all. The guy that Andrew's referring to is Jackson Job, uh, who's a pitcher out of high school in Mrs. Uh, I want to say, no, Oklahoma, Andrew? It's Oklahoma, right? Heritage Hall is his, uh, is his high school. This is a guy who might be the best pitching prospect of the last five years to come out of high school. He's put together an A-plus slider, which he's already given out to different major league pitchers who've been calling to ask for it. The one that's really been at the forefront has been Zach Greinke. Supposedly, he had a lot of conversations with Greinke about the grip on that slider, uh, which ranks, if anyone's interested, to be – you know, I think you said 3,000 RPMs, Andrew, uh, would be the spin rate on that slider. That The movement yes, on that would 3, instantly be 3,200. So Chris Sale's slider, for comparison, just because he, we're, we're in a Red Sox market here, peaks at, at about 2,800. So you're looking at a slider that's filthier than Chris Sale, a fastball that's in the, the mid-90s, and a changeup that's being decided to be major league ready. He went 9-0 this season with an 0-1-3 ERA. He struck out 122 batters, and he walked five guys in 51 and two-thirds innings. So when you think about just how he translates, he's a guy that the Sox might take 
if they are looking really far down the line. Now, he's 18 years old, and we know that high school pitching prospects generally don't translate as well to the big leagues as, as major leaguers, but his comparison as a right-handed pitcher is someone like Garrett Cole. So that's that's something that you can picture as being absolutely dominant for for a long time uh, in the big leagues with the Red Sox. He's a guy, you know, personally with my name, I, I would like to see Job in the system. Uh, but the guy that I would love for them to draft is, is Jack Leiter, um, who Andrew talked about a little, little bit. And I think that's the guy that everyone is thinking, oh, can we get Jack Leiter? Um, the the best situation that we can come out of is with one of these two pitchers, I think, uh, in the first round, even though I know Andrew's enamored with uh, some of these shortstops. <laughs> yeah, with the shortstops, I just feel like there's a lot less risk that goes into it. And you look historically um, when you take one of these high school shortstops, which the Red Sox just quite frankly haven't been in position to because – they haven't sucked as bad as they did last year in most of our lifetimes. So uh, you, you just have this invaluable piece of multiple clay where if the kid gets bigger, you can move him to left field, you can move him to center field. You know, you're not locked into that one position. So as long as they keep hitting, you're going to find a place for these guys to play. And they all have really good hit tools. Uh, the biggest wild card um, in this draft, and this was considered his draft before, you know, any of these Vandy pitchers came up, um, is Brady House. Uh, he is a Southern kid built like a damn tank. He's been built like a tank for, I mean, for a few years now since he's been on the circuit. And he's one of those guys that he he's going to be the best power hitter if everything goes right. And he will probably stick at shortstop. Uh, we there's a good chance I think we see him in the division with Baltimore going forward, uh, but he's more of a boom-bust kind of guy where I would love him, but that would scare the heck out of me to, uh, to take him if you know we don't ever plan on taking a, another top-five pick for the foreseeable future. Hopefully we won't because that means we're having good seasons. So this, like you said, could be our last – great chance to to draft uh hopefully a generational talent but but so, so Terry, the last kind of thing to, to mention about yeah. about that and andrew mentioned shortstops is you have to think about how much wear and tear pitchers put on their arms and how many pitchers wash out that are top prospect pitchers as they go through the minor leagues just based on elbow injuries and um you have to assume that these kids are going to get tommy john at some point, maybe even before they hit the big leagues uh, with the speeds at which they throw. So it's always, you know, one of the bigger risks taking a pitcher high up in the draft, but it's also can pay off. Chicago took uh, Crochet in the draft last season um, in 2020 to as a left-handed pitcher uh, in, with the number 11 pick, and he debuted in September. He, he burned through their system. Less than a year of minor league ball, and now he's on their big league roster as a as a left-handed reliever on a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs if they have anything to say about it. Some of these pitchers can be instant instant difference makers, but others just burn out before they even hit the majors. Yeah, and the, we definitely have uh, 
quite a long history that with the Red Sox. I mean, you look at um, what's his name, the Trey Ball was the seventh pick. Um, you know that that absolutely didn't work out. I don't think he even got above a ball. Jake Groom is currently in a ball after I don't know how many setbacks he had with one or two Tommy Johns. So it's high risk, high reward, and all the Red Sox first round pitchers ended up being relievers like your Workmans and your Matt Barnes. So their career trajectory did not go as planned. So that that's the real reason I'm kind of on board with uh, shortstop in this in this draft. Well, the last borderline ace we drafted was John Lester. It's been that long. In fact, crazy. Yeah, we're going on 19 years, I think. He was drafted in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. He was, and he made his big league debut in 2007. So think about that. The last pitcher to make his debut with the Red Sox and then turn into an everyday, you know, stud um, on the big league roster as a pitcher, it's been. 13 years, almost 14 years. And then the and next best one was Buckled. Yeah, and, super consistent. You know, yeah. and you know, it's not it's not easy for the Red Sox to develop pitching. And I I hope that Hein Bloom is the guy to change that. But that's a lot of risk, a lot of, you know, a lot of risk because if he doesn't turn out to be, you know, a star, you're in trouble. Whereas if you take one of these shortstops, right up until the point where he hits triple A ball, you can trade him for an absolute haul if you need to. Yeah, I'm just so partial to pitchers, but I, I totally get it. You know, the risk is higher. And so I guess to kind of wrap it up, I mean, if, if you're making a wager here, it's going to most likely be Henry Davis. I think he's probably the safest. If I had to put money down, it would be Davis right now. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. What time does the draft start on Sunday? It's supposed to start right after the Futures game. Okay. So, I so think immediately that after the at, game ends. Yeah, that's what I heard on, I think it was MLB Pipeline's podcast. And I think the Futures game starts at 2 Mountain, so 4 Eastern. So, so somewhere around 7, 7.30 p.m., okay. yeah. uh, if I had to guess, you'll see. Yeah, and it's only the, the first round in the supplemental they're spreading out over three days, trying to. I don't know. I don't know why they do. It's not like anyone's going to really watch it. How, how many but rounds see, is it uh, this year? It's going to be twenty this year. Twenty. Okay. It was only five uh, last year. So yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. You are going to see with with this draft. I, I, we're going. Someone in Denver is going to spot Andrew leaving the Futures game at an absolute tear. He'll be. Oh yeah, we'll be dragging my wife behind me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta find out where it is. Why you ought to try to get to the draft? <laughs> you gotta leave in like the seventh inning, you know, to be safe. Well, yeah, because the celebrity game starts right after that, so I, I don't even want to be in that crowd for that one. So I am gonna get out of that stadium as fast as I can. Yeah. <laughs> has Has Coors had an All Star game? They must have at some point. They did, and I swear, if you can watch the old highlights of the home run derby when all these guys were on those like giant synthetic steroids when there was no humidor and God knows what they did to the baseball. These guys were hitting it out like 600 feet. It, it's a must watch if you can find it on YouTube. It was like 98 or something okay. like that. Or 97. Usually it's uh, a year or two after the park opens is when they tend to have them. 
Fenway hasn't had one since '99, and I'm kind of surprised. Unbelievable. We must be. Yeah, they they're due. Yeah, I, I, it's getting ridiculous. This decade. Well, Fenway anyway. is one of the one of the ballparks that they don't necessarily want to put the All Star Game back at because it's small and it's old. Uh, similar to Wrigley, it's it's one of those things where they're worried about the fan experience, um, so they don't necessarily want to do that. But I I would like to see. Fenway hosts an all-star game sometime in the next five years because who knows how long Fenway's going to be there. Oh, yeah. they, they ain't getting rid of it. <laughs> they ran out of room. There's nowhere to put a spot. Frank McCourt was going to give him the land if he got that team. But, yeah, thank God he didn't. He took the Dodgers, and that was a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, all right. So we'll stay tuned for Sunday. And we actually do have a podcast that night. So I don't know. Maybe, Andrew, we might be able to. Well, you could be busy, though. But if you're available, we might be able to pull you on for a few minutes. Yeah, I'll be in touch. For some reaction. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Hope everybody enjoyed it. And we'll be back on Sunday night to discuss mostly the Philly series, what went down, and then uh, a few minutes uh, we can uh, talk about who the Red Sox did draft, whether it was Henry Davis or we got super lucky and uh, ended up drafting Jack Leiter, which is kind of what I'm hoping. So take care, everyone.